0: What's happening? This is the Tap-In Podcast. We are live inside of the Tap-In Studio. Man, I got a super special guest in the building. This nigga is close to my heart, you know what I'm saying? And on my last motherfucking nerves at the same damn time. My boy Rockhead Johnson in the building. What's happening, man? What's up, man? What's up? Chilly, make sure you get close to the mic, man. You can pull oh, it. Your mic don't work or something? No, you can pull it close to you. But I just want to make sure people could hear you. Yeah, yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. What's happening, man? What's up, man? What's going on, man? Chilling, man. Appreciate you for tapping in, man. I mean, you know, I do what I got to do when yeah, a young yeah. fella, you know, call for somebody. Yeah, it's, man. Especially as one of mine for my ICANN program, you know. Yeah. So let's get, let's get into that because <laughs> I was um, I was thinking I was um, I was on the phone with my mom. She told me to tell no, you hi no, too. No, hold on one second. Okay. This live. No, no, no! It's not live. Why ain't live? I want to have some fun. Now, nah, I mean, we need, we need, we do need to get live. We got to get some Wi-Fi in here, up. Okay. Yeah, as soon as we get some Wi-Fi, we could yeah. go live. Why? What you want to do? I was gonna do something. So yeah, so, uh, like I said, my mom <laughs> wanted me to tell you hi, man. Um, but I was, th- I was trying to figure. I was like, I wonder how did Rock. Find me. How did how did Rock come to drive to San Pedro? We was living in San Pedro at the time. How did he find me? Do you remember? I don't have no idea. I know. I, I, and I was like, I well, bet yeah, you he don't. This was probably like 95, 96. 95, 96. I have. If I'm correct, someone told me about you. I think it was Dean. Dean Johnson. Might have been Dean Johnson. Because I think uh, Dean is the one I think talked to my mom and was like, hey, I got this guy, he coming to pick up Dante, he's a real good dude, blah, blah, blah. And they was like, meet, meet at the boys club at this time, somebody named Rock is going to come pick you up. And I was like, uh, okay, cool. And then you pulled up, and it was a bunch of other kids in the car, and I was like, who the fuck is these niggas, man? Where, like, who, who are all these people he coming with? And, and then from that point on, it's been like, the only, the, matter of fact, the only AAU coach I ever played for was you in American I Can. Mm-hmm. I didn't ever play for nothing. How did you get, um, how did American I Can come about? I mean, Jim Brown actually felt, created a program called American Foundation for Social Change. He felt that if he could change the mindset of a predator from a negative to a positive and put that predator right back in his own community, that he, he feel that if he, once he changed that attitude, from I can't to I can, that person can be just as effective in a positive way as he was in a negative way, and I'm a prime example of that change. Mm. Um, so when he got all of all the Crips and Bloods and Spanish gangs together, and someone told me about what he was doing, I said, "Well, if he ain't got me, he ain't got no gang members." Mm. You know. So what I did was I took about sixty comp to Crips up there, and at that time they had that Tasha Harley with a, a Korean store owner killed a little black girl, and they was up there trying to mend fences and fix things, but I had no conscience of that because I was deep into the streets, mm-hmm. you know, fresh out of doing over 19 and a half years incarcerated, so I wasn't thinking about anything. So when I went up there, I saw gang members, but I also saw Koreans up there. And I'm like, I thought it was supposed to be gangs. Why are these Koreans up there with cameras and stuff? And I took offense to it, not necessarily because they were Korean, but I thought it was for gang members that he had gangsters up there and i'm a gangster yeah. you know and i always felt that i was the ultimate gangster so when i went up there and i saw that i'm like man fuck this shit man i ain't trying to stay for this shit you know and a couple guys tried to reach out to man. i said well, you touch me again man uh and i'm gonna break your arm i said let's go so as we were leaving me and my guys a couple things occurred um as we were leaving, Jim Brown had all the respect in the world for me, as disrespectful as I was. He's had some misunderstandings. Rocky from the Compton Crips, Santana Block Gang, and uh, they supposed to come tomorrow, not today. And so it was a total misunderstanding. And and as we were leaving, the, the Koreans was bringing food in. And as they bringing the food in, you know, some of my young homies, that big homie, can't at least stay and eat the food. And I'm like, man, fuck that motherfucking food. But in the back of my head... With well, my ace homeboy, I said, man, these motherfuckers hungry. They do, you know, they up here with me. They hungry, niggas. We got to feed them. Yeah. You know, so we stopped at the Fat Burgers off San Facet and Sunset Boulevard. They have out right there on that corner. And we fed all the homies. You know, as we eating there, you know, the the uh, feds and all the undercovers came to mess with them. You got like 25, 30 carloads of gangsters, you know, kind of shook up <laughs> their little city real quick. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, but that's basically, so what I did was with the American, once I went through his 15th chapter life skills program and, and realized that I wasn't cursed at birth, that I am somebody. And that's what the curriculum teaches you. You're not cursed at birth, then you are somebody. In his 15th chapter, attitude change, uh, the, the three forms of motivation, fear, incentive, and attitude change. Fear is recognized as one of the most negative but well-known motivation in the world, but the most negative. Incentive is good to open the door up with, but you don't want to depend upon it. And attitude changed because it's the right thing to do. Mm. So once I went through that process and started understanding me, and I eventually took responsibility for myself, um, I took I had some kids on my block. On, I was standing in West L.A. off Point View and, and um, Pico Boulevard in West L.A., you know, by the schoolyards, by the Mansfield, Playboy Gangsters, you know, and some kids was playing. They asked me to take them to a, take them to a gym, man, can you take us to this game at um, Long Beach State where they had Slammer Jam, Izzy Washington. So I got the kids in my car, and I took them. And I'm saying, man, why y'all not playing? I felt they were just as good as the next person. Mm -hmm. But I have no knowledge about basketball. But watching them play on the streets every day, I thought they were better than most of them. And are we gang members? Are we at risk to game? We go to continuation school. It was everything negative and everything for even more reasons why they should be playing. Mm. And I said, you know what, man, how can I be a part of this? They said, well, that's that's easy watching right there, man. Uh, you got to talk to him. So I walked down to Little Bleachers. I said, well, how you doing, Mr. Washington? I'm Rock, Rock Johnson from Jim Brown's American Foundation. I'm curious about how can we be a part of this? He said, well, you know, this tournament is almost over with, and uh, we got another tournament that I'm putting on with ARC and in Vegas, you know, the grand finale. And – I said, well, how can I be a part of it? Well, 600 a team is in Vegas. I said, okay. So I asked the youngster, well, how many teams do you think we're going to have? I know shit about basketball. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> they look at me like, Big, big, big Rocky, we going to, we get two teams, we get two teams. I said, well, two teams. He said, well, that's going to be $1,200. You know, here go my number. I said, hold it, man, you know, got my pocket and I gave Izzy Washington the money. Right there on the spot? Right, right there on the spot. Mm. And I got the kids in the car, like, how are we going to do this? oh, you know, they got to watch summer. I said, what's to watch summer games? Y'all got to understand I'm a gangster. Mm-hmm. You know, so I just did over 19 and a half years in prison. I was when Jim Brown helped me save myself and take responsibility for myself to, to right during that time, I was doing a lot of wicked stuff. I was pistol whooping people. You know, I was really putting it down, mm-hmm. you know, claiming Santana Block, Compton Crip. You know, and And as hard as I was putting it down, I'm like, I didn't know about how to deal with kids. And, you know, and I think back sometimes, I remember in 4800, the CRIP module, when I came down from Folsom State Prison in 1986, you know, the OSS Gang Task Force Unit said, man, uh, your c file say you the one, but your demeanor and your attitude saying you don't fit in. You know, Mm. you're going to be working with kids one day. And I'm like, man, I ain't hear that bullshit, nigga. You know who I am, and that's how I thought, and that's how I felt. And they told you this in prison, like a prison guard or something. No, it was it was four was the Crip module in um, County L A County Jail. Okay. So anytime we come down from prison, they put us two places: high power or the Crip module. If we were Crips, or the Bloods, or Blood modules. So they put me in the Crip module, but before they, they put me in the Crip module, they put you in the OSS, is the gang task force unit who kind of want to have a profile on you. Well, mm. so, since they didn't have a profile on me, they put me in there and, like, and they just felt by watching the few days I was in the Crip module that I didn't blend in because I didn't sag. I, I didn't carry a rag in the back of my pocket. You know, I, don't, I didn't do the, the, the what everybody feel we do as gang members. You know, mm-hmm. we, we look a certain way, we feel a certain way, we smell a certain way, and we act a certain way. Mm. I wasn't that person. Yeah. You know, but my C-file – you know, my C-file is, is the file I accumulated over 19 and a half years in state prison. You know, my C-file d- dictated to them and showed them that I was a very violent individual because out of my 19 and a half years, I spent over eight and a half years straight in the hole because of confinement um, because I was known for knocking down, you know, other racists in the racial wars that we have in California state prison system. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was known for knocking down most of them guys on a regular basis. So... My C file pushed for me to say that dude is a violent dude. Then, as well as I used to be a part of a organization, a Crip organization called CCO, because the Crip organization, you mm-hmm. know, where we taught that we were black men first. But it kind of helped us structure ourselves. Because when I first went to prison in seventy eight seventy nine, we didn't have we didn't have no real leaders. We didn't have no one to show us. Youngsters, I'm sixteen seventeen years old in 79, They like. I'm like, I'm in the belly of the beast. Like, who going to show me something? But instead, the, you know, the black gorilla family was sliding, uh, the BJ was sliding books up on your door, your book, Welcome to the My family. They was entrapping us. But I was I was so ignorant at that time, I didn't bite into that. I came out of my cell, nigga, fuck you. I'm not from there. You know what I mean? Mm. But So in the, my early mm. years in prison, we had no guidance. We basically fended for ourselves. But you have to understand that 78, 79, there was probably a total of 50 or 60 crips in the whole California prison system. They had about 13, 14 prison at that time. And from 81 to 83, you went from 50 to about 3,000 crips, you know, in in the jails. And now you got all all these so-called animals, as they called us at that time, Mm -hmm. you know, in, in all these different institutions. You have some brothers that came together. So let's try to bring about a structure. You know, and, and and show these young brothers a system, and and the CCO taught me how to read. I didn't. I never went farther than seventh grade. You know, I got kicked out of the schools in Compton Unified District and Long Beach Unified School District, so I didn't make it past seventh grade. Mm-hmm. You know, and it taught me how to, how to read. And every every time we had a quiet period, we had to read. During them quiet periods, we had to read books, and not only read the book, but do a book report from what you just read. And I used to say, what the fuck is a book report, man? man. No, no, motherfucking book report, <laughs> yeah. you know. And they had the guys had to show. them, No, big homie, you got to read it and and and, and kind of articulate what you read. I said, what is articulate? I'm telling you, I had a seventh grade education, you know. Mm. I got my high school diploma in prison. When a lady came and said, let's take GED, she'd be back in two hours. I made the dude next door to my cell take my test, <laughs> give it back, and so I turned it in. When she came back, and I got something in my little mail, said so I got my high school diploma. I didn't get shit. He got it for me. (laughs) Yeah. But I'm just saying, you know, my mind was different. Yeah. You know, but with that structure to kind of help me be a better person, it kind of helped me understand and articulate things. And I've learned a step by step process within that organization. And in the beginning, that organization was the best thing for Crips. Then you had another organization that was created off Death Row called the Blue Nose, you -hmm. know, and. That was another positive and good group, you know. But as everything that we have a tendency of building, we have that tendency of building and coming together, we eventually self-destruct from within, like the Panthers, like the us. I mean, if you go back in history, we either tell on each other. Like lately, I've watched the uh, um, United States against Billy Holiday. I watched um, that other little young sister who was doing the piano, and she said, if my mother and father can't sit up front, I'm not going to do it as an 11-year-old. Mm. <clears throat> I can't remember her name, and but oh, in both who? Nina, Simone. Nina Simone. Oh, okay. And and in so many ways, it was they men, they black men, they husbands giving them up to the feds. Mm. The feds wanted Billie Holiday so bad, Lady Saying the Blues did not give it the justice. It was a good movie, but did not give it the realness and the justice of why Billie Holiday was a target from J.A. Edgar Hoover. It was a lot of different things going on. So the same things that went on with them, the same things went on with the Panthers. Well, when they top dogs eventually worked with the feds to tell and help destruct the Panthers, our organization got, de- got destroyed the same way from within. So mm-hmm. eventually I dismantled that organization, CCO, against all odds because in the beginning it was the greatest thing for us Crips. At the end it became very poisonous. So – Knowing that and all that, and then you go to a county jail, you got a a stockpile of gang members and four eight hundred, three to four thousand Crips in one unit, and eight men, eight to ten men cells, you know, and you got these tears, and you like these are animals. Then I come through there, and the first thing they tell me, you don't fit in, but my <laughs> my C file dictates I belong there. Uh-huh. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, okay. so. When he said I'd be working with kids, I never thought that. I never dreamed of that. For for one, when they gave me my time, I wouldn't expect to get out mm. because I lived the life I lived. I told my mother at 12 years old, I don't have a mother. Don't ever come visit me. That's what kind of cat I became over, the, over time. I raised myself in the institution. Yes, my uncles are original Compton Crips from Eastside Oaks Park Businessmen, which is now Santana Block. But for the most part, I raised myself. I ran away at 11, 12 years old. I was in the streets doing minor things and other little things and carrying guns and thought I was somebody. But I was I was Rudolph at that time. But when I went behind that wall, that juvenile system, that CYA system, and I got kicked out of all of them CYAs, Paso Robles, Nellis, and YTS. I became an animal. I became a monster. I gave myself my name, Crazy Mister Rockhead, or what as they say, Joe Rockhead from Compton Crip. Mm, you know what I mean? Yeah. I became that dude right there, and becoming that dude, you know, I'm like, I'm just sitting back and I'm like, damn, this motherfucker said I'll be working with kids. I never understood it because even when they did um, Hip Hop Uncover, when Big U mentioned my name, yeah, yeah. we talked a little bit, and I'm standing there, yeah. you know, and, and they kind of, you know. Me and Kev Mac video I mean y'all need to really watch his stuff because he's really showing the world not only that's where we came from but what we're doing today as me and you're going to get more into it mm-hmm. about that but you know people always look at us and point fingers at us you get what I'm saying Yeah. And but at the end of the day man that I've proven to others that you can't change mm-hmm. Jim Brown gave me hope and that's why I started off saying, by saying, once I learned that I am not cursed at birth, that I am somebody, he gave me life. That man, man gave me life. Because by going up there at that time, I was either going to go back to jail or die in the streets. That's where I was heading. Mm. And I didn't care if I went to jail or not. Just like when I was in jail, I didn't care if I stayed in jail for the rest of my life. I never got, I got one visit, and that was in the late 80s because one of my cellies, Mom wanted to call me out while his wife called him out for I could at least see how a visiting room was. Mm. I didn't want visits, but I didn't need for nothing behind that wall because I was Joe Rockhead. You know what I mean? Yeah, so that yeah. kind of shocked me when he said that. So when I hooked up with Jim Brown and I started going through the process and I'm like, okay. And then I saw them kids and I wanted to help them kids. You know, jumping into the belly of the beast in a positive way is yeah. just as dangerous as in a bad way because <laughs> – and I jumped in there, I'm like, somebody said, Rocky, I said, what, how you gonna uh, pay for uh, going to Vegas? What you mean? He said, the next tournament in Vegas. Las Vegas? I ain't never been to Las Vegas. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay. So I said, so I, my, I reached out to my brother, aunt. You know, and Ant's my my second to the youngest brother. And out of eight of us, it was four girls, four boys. Uh, he played a little basketball, Long Beach State, played a little basketball think he tried out for the Phoenix Suns at one time. That's the year Kenny Battle came in, and when they came in, they cut him. You mm. know, ain't no basketball. So I went to my little brother and said, I, I need to understand this game because I want to help these kids. You know, he said, well, I'm going to call Dwayne Cooper, who, who played for the Phoenix Suns, the Lakers, USC. Then one of my homeboys, you know, um, rest in peace, Big Raider, he said, man, he said, he said he's a, he's a Big Rockhead, I said, what? Well, you know, my, my big cousin, you know, Jeremiah Adams went to Vervin Day, played for Oregon, got drafted by the Bulls, played two years, and played the last ten years overseas. He'll help you. You know, so I reached out to him. You know, the first thing, Coop said, okay, Rock, how are we going to pay for all this? Mm-hmm. You're talking about two teams going to Las Vegas. We got to get transportation. We got to get club, um, uniforms, shoes, basketball. How are you going to do all this, Rockhead? I'm like. I don't know. <laughs> Shit, nigga. What year was that? Cause was that, that was that, that was the 84, year? 84, 85. That you went that you took the first team? Yeah. Really? Yeah, that was my first year. That that first year. Well you wasn't on that team, remember? No. That that team, I met a brother from Canada and he gave me he brought five players from Canada and they played with me as well. What? Yes. And your first year. Your first year doing it. First year doing it. God damn. So, <laughs> so what happened, I said, man, I got to go to Jim Brown. So I went up to Jim's house, I said, and I said, Jim, man, I need some help. He said, what? He said, I'm trying to, you know, sp- I'm going to sponsor some-, some kids, about 22 kids, take them to Vegas for a basketball. He said, well, you got your budget together? i like, what's that? Mm. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, Jim showed me how to open up a bank account. I'm 30-something years old, didn't know how to open a bank account. Mm. You know, so he said, oh, you got to give me a budget. So, you know, I said, hold on. I called Coop. I said, Coop, Jim talking about a budget. He said, Rock, you need a budget, a budget. You got to put all your items down. And he said, put me on you know, put, put me on speaker. I said, man, his phone ain't got no speaker. <laughs> you know, he said, okay, Rock, well, let's meet with him again. So we ended up meeting with Jim, and Jim said, I like what, I, what I need the money for, what I'm paying for, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So Coop and Jerry helped me put a budget together. After we put that budget together, it came up to about 15, 16 grand, mm-hmm. you know. And so I sent, I submitted to Jim, and Jim like, no problem, wrote me a check. Said Coop, like, you know, um, you no, know we got to get cashier's check. So what's a cashier's check? Mm-hmm. I had no idea. I'm being introduced to another animal, but like I said, a positive way. But it was an animal of me because I never thought I would function like this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then they helped me walk me through, and we got cashier's checks and. You know, we went to uh, watch summer games and recruited kids and I'm sitting back, cuz, come here, cuz. Who you fucking play with, cuz? I mean, I was I was raw. Yeah. I was uncut. Yeah. You know how I dealt with y'all sometimes. Yeah. I was uncut. You know, I didn't know I was supposed to cuss at these kids. Yeah, know, man, fuck that. that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I'm uncut, so I'm like, Come on, motherfucker, you know what I'm saying? Who you playing with my well, No, fuck them. You ain't playing for them, cuz. You playing for me. You feel me? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm just talking. I'm just talking, but I'm serious about getting them. Right. So we get enough players, and and uh, we practicing, and they showing me different shit. And uh, So my brother, who coaching, bro? I'm coaching this motherfucking team. Man, fuck you. You know, and so we went to Vegas. I'm not knowing not one kid ever left their city before. Mm. Not one kid never left Long Beach, never been out of Compton, never been out of – L.A., never been out the West. I mean, these kids, and that's what I think society don't really get. In our time, especially in my time, but in the 90s, it was still existing. Parents was not getting out showing their kids the different things, the diversity. I think so, how diverse everything is. They are stuck. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it by choice. A lot of it because they don't know no better like I didn't know no better. Mm. And, man, we went to Vegas. Man, we lost every game by 30 points. Mm. And I'm cussing and fussing and shit. <laughs> then one day after the last game, they crying. What y'all crying for, man? We go, Man, fuck that. You ain't fucking crying. What you crying for, Coach? We not crying because we lost. We crying because we ain't never been outside of Compton before. We never been outside alone before. This shit is fun, Coach. We ain't had nobody trust us like you trust us. So mm. I told Coop, we got enough money, man, for another day or two. He said, Rock, if you don't, i pay for it. You know, and we stayed two more days for the youngsters to have fun. Mm. And at that time, they had a hotel next to the circuit circuit. It was called the Wayward Ho Hotel. <laughs> the Wayward Ho? Wayward Ho Hotel. Uh-huh. and But it slept. It was three or four bedroom units. Mm. So I could put a whole team in there in yeah. one unit. Yeah. yeah, I did that for a couple of years. A couple of parents were like, where well, my kids stay at a Hotel? That don't sound right, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> but so we came back to L.A. and then after A.R.C. had some tournaments, your boy from 4D, Ray, out of Pasadena, from uh, not pa- out of San Pedro, Ray, 4D All Stars. Um. His name is Ray. He had the 4D. All- he gave. So he used to give tournaments back then. And know, he man. gave some tournaments, man, and all of a sudden, a couple of my kids come to me. Hey, Coach, I said, what's happening? Man, we got to change the name. What you mean we got to change the name? Coach, they call us the I Can't All-Stars. Man, fuck that, nigga. We sticking with fucking I Can't All-Stars, homie. Huh? You crazy? But Coach, man, it's rough. I be beating them up. I said, mm-hmm. no, quit beating them motherfuckers up. We going to be all right, young fella. We going to be I Can't All-Stars. And we became the laughing stock. <clears throat> till all of a sudden, I think that was a year you, you came aboard. All of a sudden, with the ICANN team, you might beat them. They're going to make your ass play. Yeah. They're going to make you play. Yeah. Then we became from a laughing stock to one of the toughest, hardest teams to beat to a motherfucking rectable motherfucking team yeah. over all these years. Yeah, And I'm telling you, and as you know, man, I can, man, we got over 200 kids in college, Division One school. Hassan Adams was one of my first ones. Mm. Hassan Adams from Westchester. He's one of my first kids. Went to um, Arizona. They got drafted in the second round to the New Jersey Nets. He's one of my first ones. And even everybody tried to take him from my experience. I had Tommy Gunn, Tommy Johnson from Crenshaw, EJ Harris. And it's so funny with that travel ball, I learned learned, you think prison got politics. You think (laughs) streets got politics. Man, youth basketball is the most sorriest shit in the world of how people and the things people do. Mm. I'm going to, I'm going to EBO Fresno tournament. EBO at that time, far as California, the biggest tournament ever that Mots gave. I mean, we played against everybody: Carlos Boozer, the Twins, everybody. And we going to, we going, we going there. We going to Fresno. I'm waiting on my I'm waiting on EJ, Tommy, and some other cat from Crenshaw to get in the van. They didn't show up, so we left. We took that three and a half hour drive. Our first game was against the Pumps. Y'all call their asses out. They know they bums. <laughs> yeah, my, my, I mean, and I say that because my first game was against them. Guess who walked in with them? EJ and Tommy. EJ and Tommy. Them. I'm like, what the fuck y'all doing, man? So I went to the window. I said, what the fuck you think you're? My motherfucking kids, man. They parents think they fucking with me. Yeah, and I'm in their ass. And a dude named C.J. Jones from out of Fresno, he grabbed me and said, "Oh, gee, that's not the way. Mm. That's what these people do. These white devils take our kids from us, use them, and spit them out." Mm. And I said, "Man, fuck that. They gonna do me like that? I'm gonna bust them up. No, you not. How the kids gonna get home?" And he held on to me, and not only held on to me, he showed me something. He For the first time, I allowed someone to hold me and show me that kind of love. And not only did he do that, his son eventually started playing for me. He would send his son to my house every weekend to come down and play for me. Mm. you know. But that was my first experience. When you got parents calling me oh my son, his son ain't with me. They didn't care if they talked to the parents or not. Mm. Then I realized more and more as years moved on, youth basketball was a business to a lot of these people. It was a way of, of making means meet to a lot of these people. I mean, you have teams who's fully sponsored and still charging kids $2,300 for six weeks or eight weeks of fucking summer basketball mm-hmm. or telling parents, or you can start paying now in September, pay $300 a month every month until when they come up, most of the shit will be paid. I mean, it's a really crooked business. A lot of kids been misled. A lot of kids been hurt. A lot of kids have been fucked up in this journey. You know what I mean? And again, I've had great kids. I've had kids. I sent them to Paul University. I sent to Georgetown. I sent them to uh, Michigan. I sent them to uh, Lone Beach State. Larry Anderson, Tony Freeland, Ronald Armstead from Fremont. I mean, I've sent to a lot of kids, a lot of places, and I lost a lot of kids who played for my stable. Paul mm. George played for me. Really? No one would never heard of Paul George if it wasn't for me. Mm. My coach used to pick him up from um, from um, Palmdale every weekend. they come and stay at my place, and we go handle our business. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? The pumps saw it. From my understanding, you know, the pumps, you know, went to his mom. Hey, she was in the wheelchair at that time. We could send you a, tr- a card for you to watch your son play his last season of a travel ball, et cetera. And I didn't mind because I know it was good for Paul to see – Mom watch him play. Mm-hmm. But if it wasn't for me, no one wouldn't have heard for Paul. And mm. me and Paul used to talk, you know, and, and Paul know what I do. You know, Paul know, and everybody know, I'm still the only travel ball team back then in 94, 95, when you played for me and today have never charged a kid a penny. I've never charged a kid a dime. Mm. And I still don't do that. And I'm one of the top independent teams in all of the West Coast, top five every year in all the West Coast independent team. Mm. And and we travel everywhere. I mean, since with y'all, we didn't travel that much. We were still – No, shit. We, we played – we went to Vegas um, that that's, year. That's nowhere. I know, but well, for we, me, that was big. You know what I'm saying? I was 15, 15 maybe 16, and we went to Vegas. My first time ever <laughs> going to Vegas – and then we played in the biggest tournament at Long Beach State that year, too. And when I tell you, when I seen um, – what was the uh, the coach that just died? Uh, he he coached at Temple. Uh, Cheney. Chaney. He was there. I seen um, some North Carolina coaches <laughs> there watching our games. And I'm like, this shit is big time. Like, this shit is – to me, that's where I was like, oh, yeah, American ICANN is legit. Like, this ain't no little – A.A., we playing at the YMCA type shit. This was big time to me. You know what I'm saying? That's when I first seen uh, Shea Cotton, uh, Baron Davis. Mm-hmm. When I first seen um, Ron Artest, Lamar Odom. Odom was playing in that tournament. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, This This is big time basketball, and this is exactly where I want it to be. You know what I'm saying? Exactly where I want it to be. Only thing that I was mad about is you let Dave play in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> I still got a, I still got a bone to pick with my dad. But, yeah, man. So, let me ask you this. As far as, like, sponsorships, is there, like, any corporate um, companies that, that could sponsor you yeah. so you won't have to come out of your pocket you, you for know, kids? You know, like I said, from the beginning, other than when Jim Brown sponsored us for, like, three or four years. Mm-hmm. After that, it was all on me and the reason why he backed up because he wanted me to solely focus on American. Mm-hmm. And Americans dealing with them animals out there, them hardcore gangs to try and change their mindsets and provide something better for themselves. And I understood that. And I told him, "Look at big fella, I love you." I said, "But I'm never I'm I'm going always do my American work, but I'm never going to let these kids go." Cuz these same kids we talking about, these same young men we talking about in the summer or during the winter, when they're looking to play, there's no gym to go to because certain cities start saying, you don't have an ID to say you live in this city, you can't use this gym. Mm. So you get three or four kids getting on buses and getting off buses in other people's neighborhoods. And the police think they're gang members. They're just basketball players. Mm. That neighborhood think they're from another hood. they just basketball players. When I saw that, I realized I couldn't let that go. I have to stick with that. Yeah. And, and that's what I did. And... I've been blessed over the years. I've had sponsors at different points. I've had a guy named John Mumford. I mean, for six, seven, for maybe for seven years straight, he gave me ten grand every March mm. for my basketball. Yeah. You know what I mean, John Mumford. It's always and the crazy thing about it, it's always been white folks. Wow, ain't you, i I've met with Magic two or three times. I mean, you still doing it by yourself? Yeah, I'm gonna look out for you. Nothing. Lamar Odom was the only black man that stood up and helped ICANN All-Stars for two years. And the reason why I didn't go no further is because one of my kids, um, they didn't get along with three other of my kids. And the father told me if them kids on my team this July, that my his son would no longer play for me. But his son wasn't ranked when I got him, but I had him ranked number 10 in the country after he played for me. Mm. We went to a Houston Hal Passenger Tank Tournament, he was averaging 40 points a game. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when he blew up, everybody wanted to jump on his tail. So when the father told me, and I told the father, my my program is bigger than one person. Mm. So if you feel that way, go ahead and leave. And when he when they left, all the Lamar people left with them. But let me tell you something about Lamar Odom. Lamar Odom stuck by my side. Lamar Odom, they was in a meeting with Nike. They said, Rock, uh, I mean, Rock, lost, Rock lost this person. Rock lost this kid. Rock lost this kid. And I'm not going to put his family out there like that, but Rock lost this kid. And I'm like, people know what I'm talking about. And they're like, what you mean? So Nike had a secret meeting without me and everybody talking. And Lamar said in that meeting, if Rock's not a part of this, I'm not a part of this. Mm. And someone texted me, and I texted Lamar Oldham and said, look at man, You have a deal with Nike. I'm all right. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be all right, man. Yeah. I didn't do this for you to give me money. You came at me, and we met. We, it was a situation because I asked Lamar. To, um, Dwayne Coop asked Lamar to sponsor me, but someone in the streets approached Lamar and told Lamar, "If uh, man, if you don't want us, to, you know, keep extorting, extorting you or jack you, you gotta look out for programs like American and OOP." So Lamar told Coop. Man, how am I gonna look? How am I gonna look out for a team when hit some guys try to jack me and told me <laughs> I to take care of. And when he Lecoupe called me, I reached out to that guy that Lamar was talking about, mm-hmm. and we had a heck of a conversation, mm-hmm. you know. And then when I finally went to one of Lamar functions and told him about it, I called Lamar when the dude was right there. And the dude, I was just telling him I wasn't telling him to do this. I was just trying. I said, "Dude, you don't do that. If you're gonna extort somebody, jack somebody, keep my motherfucking company name out your fucking mouth." Although you're trying to help, said, "Look at, look out for programs in our community like that." Mm. But it was taken wrong. Like this is what we doing, right? You know what I'm saying? It's like people trip off. You got to check in. You got to do this. You got to do that. I mean, on some real shit. On some real shit. I could be just like that, my name is big enough, mm. but why in the fuck I would do that? I've never been an extorter. I've never been a jacker. I was that man to knock you down. Mm. I was that motherfucker getting your face yeah, yeah. I, I i i like i like I like picking on bullies. I like hurting bullies. I don't care for no bully. That's another form of bullying people and that weak shit i I mean, I just my thing is that's not my nature. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. You know, so when Lamar and we talked, and Lamar got behind me. Even when he got behind me, his management people, they were dumb. Because they like, hey, man, uh, we're going to stay here, we're going to stay. There. I said, but, dude, this is my team. Just get us a house in Vegas, and we get a house for $2,700. I mean, $1,700 for four days, and we good. But, no, they want to put us in a hotel the Caesar Palace or Luxor somewhere where we paying Damn near 10,000 for four days. Right. You right. get what I'm saying? Yeah, I didn't yeah. care about that. I never was motivated by money. Mm-hmm. That's why I refused to charge any of my kids. So, Lamar was probably the only black man that sponsored. Individually, Dwayne Coop, Jeremiah Adams. I had a couple of my friends that I built a relationship with over time. They would give me money here, give me money there. You know what I mean? But it's always been the white folks who sponsored, who would give me 10,000. That's one guy someone introduced me to. And great dude, his name is Mike. I can't remember his name. One day, somebody introduced him, I'm in his office. I said, man, I'm trying to get some plane tickets. we go going to Arkansas. He said, right. I love your story. I'm going to ask you one question. Can I pay with my credit card? I said, man, I don't give a damn if you pay out your ass. <laughs> you know what I mean? And the reason why he explained, he said that because he wanted the points. Mm. Imagine he got all this money. Well, if he's gonna pay for sixteen tickets, he get all the points. points. Uh, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So I said, I said I will call you tomorrow with all the names and what airline, and everything. He took care of it. Mm-hmm. So it's always been about, like Jim Brown always said, it's always about special people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's never been about anything with me but special people. People love my story. People love that I showed I can't come from one extreme into another and come right back in. As I was in the belly of the beast as a predator, I'm back in the belly of the beast as someone who's very positive and trying to make a difference in our community. Um, Derek Williams played for me. Um, number Derrick, number yeah, two draft pick. Yeah, he went. Uh, he went to, did he go to Arizona he went. To, he went to Arizona. Yeah. Went to we got drafted by Minnesota, number two. Yeah. And again, another peculiar situation. I mean, the kid loved me. Um, people feel that someone else sent him to Arizona. No, they didn't. Mm. I sent him to Arizona he was supposed to go to USC Tim Floyd left USC and everybody arguing and someone said someone sold him to Memphis (laughs) someone (laughs) sold him to Memphis and one day I called him Sean Miller called me and we talking and he said man what's happening with Derek I said you ain't interested Derek Sean he said man Derek don't want to come here you know his his handler don't want him to come there so what I did I called um, Derek we talking on the phone I said, man, you want to go to Arizona? Man, they ain't calling me, bro. They ain't calling me, coach. I said, you telling me if I get somebody on the phone right now, you yeah. I said, coach is on mute. I hit unmute. <laughs> they talking. Yeah. I said, Derek, for me, make it seem like it came from you. Mm. I don't want your mom to know it came from me. I don't want your handler to come because they may be in total denial because I'm the one who laid this in your hands. Yeah. And I told him I got off the phone, took no credit. And I'm watching everybody else take credit for. Yeah, but Derek Williams was mine. That's one of my kids. That's crazy, you know. And, and his handler was one of my coaches, you know. But when, when that stuff with the, um, Lamar Odom broke away, Lamar Odom still gave me ten grand that year. Mm. You know that uh, he took fifteen grand and went to La, went to Lamar's t- team Odom and took Derek with him. Mm. You know his handler, but. When they wasn't playing, Derek, would, they, when they was playing with them, Derek's was averaging 15 points a game. When they was playing with me, he was averaging almost 30 a game. So when the kids saw that, when his handler saw that, he told his mom, don't let him play with them no more. You know, he, coaches ain't, don't like him playing for two different teams. You know what the people, he's using lies and excuses and stuff. Yeah. So they, took, so they, they tricked them and got him out of that, but I still got him in a good situation. You know what I mean? That's my, that's my kid. Paul George is a beautiful person. You know, I, I talked to him a few times about sponsorship. But he got his own program going. But at the same time, um, he know where I came from. Yeah. He know what I do. You know what I mean? And then you have, um, who else I had? Ronnie Aguilera from out of Southgate. big. He played for the Lakers briefly. Mm-hmm. I Went to Colorado, got in trouble. Ended up going to Cal State, Dominguez Hill. Um, I had Tony Freeland out of Fremont. I mean, his great story. He's He's knocking people out. You know, on the basketball court, someone told me, a him. I went, you know, I said, what's San Tony? you know, he's fighting. Um, he almost knocked out Jeremy Ty Jeremy Tyler from San Diego. God, you know <laughs> what I mean. I mean, this dude was, this dude had a, had an attitude and a demeanor because he was mentally and physically tough, and he felt that people looked down on him because he's from the hood. He's from the bottoms, mm. and he's six foot seven, six eight, and I got him. You know, and he played for me." And I got him to Paul University even when he went to the. This is how fucked up the system is. Imagine you're graduating from Fremont High School and you're going to Paul University. The head coach of Paul University is standing right there at your graduation. And the first thing your principal say, I don't know why you want him. All he's going to do is smoke weed and knock people out. See, that's and scandalous. You get what when yeah. I jumped and I jumped, and the coach grabbed my shoulder, I got this, Rock. I got this. But imagine. Even after all the things this kid fought through and his family went through, he has a great opportunity to get out the fucking hood. And you got a fucking high school principal tell this to a college coach. Yeah. This, this is what goes on with all our kids. We just don't hear these stories. Yeah. We don't see these stories. Ronald Armstead, Fremont High School, was sleeping in a car. Someone said, Coach, may you know Ronald? I said, Yeah, I like his game. He ain't gonna show up. I said, Why? He's sleeping in his car. He's in you know, his grandma's car. I drove by one the morning in the car. But get in my car. They do end up going to LMU. Got him in LMU. Played his first year. Second year, they got more better players than him. Well, we don't know. We don't keep him. We'll keep him in a partial for his academics. Mm-hmm. Then a year later, oh, we need you, Ronald. Can you come back? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Everybody got hurt. <laughs> when Ronald came back. He got his degree. Then he got another degree. Then he got another degree. Mm. You know he's a head counselor. He's a psychiatrist. He, he all kind of stuff. Yeah. And I asked Ronald one day to come. Hey man, I'm gonna do the end. They doing a little thing on me when I just come. He come to he come to L.A. Jordan, and it's convertible BMW, arm kicked back, six foot six, got a scarf around his neck like he white all of a sudden. <laughs> you know, and pull up music blind. I said, you know where you at? Well, I knew I was coming to you, big homie. I'm good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, big fifty, great street Watts. Um, big 50 Tyrone Riley was a six eight monster, um, star baseball player, star basketball player, um, star quarterback. Mm. You know, parents died, got killed. Grandma raised and had a baby at 15. First man the fuck you won't, cuz Grace T watch. And I looked up to him. You sure? Mm-hmm. He looked over my shoulder, saw his homeboy, big homeboys laughing. Mm-hmm. They said they came and said, "Rock, save our homeboy." Mm. You know what I'm saying? I said, man, I can't, you, your grades are too messed up to get you straight to college, but I'm going to send you to the right junior college, and from there you're going to university. Mm. End up going to San Francisco State, um, graduated with his degree, went overseas five, six years. Called me one day, Rockhead, what's up? I said, what's up, man? I want to do for my hood what you did for me. I said, what's that? I want to run my own program. Now he's been the head coach of L.A. Jordan for the last seven years. Really? You know what I mean? That's what I do, man. Yeah. I try to take the badness out of all these kids that people don't give a damn about. All people want to do is use their skills, their height, their talent for their own benefit, and they dump them. How many kids? You got typically nine to 14 kids per team, correct? Mm-hmm. One or two kids may go to college. What happened to the rest? 99.9, 99.9% of the kids go to junior college. Only one, that 1% normally make it because they, they're a highly ranked kid. They got they motivated by being taken care of. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got somebody that got their back. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, but yeah. the rest eventually drop out. Yeah. Like, look at all these shoe company teams. How many kids from them shoe company teams literally go to college and how many um, players on that team to help them go to college? What happened to the rest of them? You only have 355, 45 teams. University Division ones. Mm-hmm. So at the average of two scholarships per team to five scholarships per team, look at 995 scholarships a yeah. year. Yeah. Before the transfer rule came in five years ago, you know, you was doing okay. But out of 900 and something scholarships, you got 20,000 seniors fighting for 900 scholarships. Damn. And let me tell you something about them. I can, all-stars. Mm-hmm. We, was, we For four years straight, we averaged 10 kids a year to college against all odds. Non-ranked kids. Mm. One of my greatest experiences, I had some great experience over the years with y'all. because Y'all played y'all ass off. Yeah. And it was an example when Bob Givens. Bob Givens is one of the gurus of all basketball. When Bob Givens invited you to his tournament, you had to have at least two ranked kids on your team. You had to have you had to be that that team because mm-hmm. he only invited I think was thirty two teams, mm. and so and so many from each state. Yeah, and man, one day we played basketball. We played basketball against the Michigan Mustangs, and we played and we played and we played. And after we were done, we lost by one point. This little chunky little white cat walked across the court. Excuse me, coach. Um, I've never seen a team play as hard as your team played for their coach. i never seen a coach coach as hard as you coach for your team. Are you interested in coming to my Bob Givens tournament? And I looked, and my boy, my coach, elbow me. Yeah, yeah, we going, we going. <laughs> and in going, he had to knock a team in California out of it. Mm. I think that year was Belmont Shores. Dang. Dino. They were hot. He don't have no ranked kids. He don't have no ranked kids. That's what they were screaming. You, rather than be happy for me, they was hating on me. <laughs> yeah. And for two years straight, I went to Bob Givens. I raised the money for I raised. I was hunting that money, mm. you know, and I got it. And we ended up going. That was another great experience for kids. Never thought they'd be going to Georgia to play in Bob Givens. Sonny Vaccaro, he ran one of the biggest tournaments in the world. He worked for... Nike first, him yeah. and George Ravelin, yeah, big I boy. Yeah, then yeah. he turned Adidas around. He turned um, Reebok around where Ree- Adidas had to buy Reebok. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. He's a guru. Yeah. Sonny Vakura. Fakura. He said, Rockhead. He said, "Man, look, I want to help you. You don't have the talent where I, you know, sponsor you. Mm-hmm. But you ain't never got paid for my my ain't no entry fees, and I make sure y'all got shoes." Mm. And that was good. And he became a friend. Yeah. And then one day he got the ABCD camp. You know that was before all these Nike and all these other yeah, camps. Yeah, yeah. And the ABCD camp was the mom, mom of all mamas. Yeah, was. Well. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'm at the ABCD camp. He like, what you doing here? You working? I said no, nah, sonny. I said one of my kids in here, huh? Okay. Yeah. Came back the following year. Another one, huh? I said yeah. And. <laughs> People are like, oh, what the fuck is this dude doing differently? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And it wasn't – I did everything I did the same. It's just that I grew up. I learned basketball. I learned to coach rather than cuss and fuss. I still dig in my kid's ass. I still push them and bring shit out of them they never have, but I don't cuss as much to get it from them. I just get it. Yeah. I bring coaches in who understand X and O's. I have guys come in now, Man, that damn rock here finally coaching. He ain't just screaming no more. You know what I will say, though? You you prepared me for Crenshaw to go to Crenshaw to play basketball for Crenshaw. You, you prepared me because it was like, at the time, I don't think we, I think our biggest player was Osa on our team. Mm. Osa's like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. And we playing against 6'8", 6'9". <laughs> and it was like. You was like, I don't give a fuck about how big these niggas is. Punch them in they goddamn throat. You know what I mean? Go at them. And mentally, every time I got on the basketball court, that's what I was thinking. I didn't care how big, how you know, whatever they had that was supposed to be special. We didn't. I didn't even care. You know, it was like, you know what? And I don't. I think. I think that's why you you probably get the most out of all your players because the way you approach it is not. A basketball mind like X and O. This is what we are gonna do. It's more about show y'all heart and play hard. I don't care how big these dudes are. And I remember, I remember every time. You know what's so crazy? When we went to Vegas. Every time we played, we was. I felt like at at one point we was kind of like the the bad news bears. But every time we played, the gym will be packed. Everybody would come see us play. I don't know if they was coming to see us or they was coming to see you but every time the gym will be packed it'll be nobody in there the game before when we about to start playing everybody will come in the gym and i was like this is dope this is what i want this is what i wanted from aau to get seen by people you know what i mean and that's what as a as a young basketball player that's all i really wanted was just to get seen to get on a national level you know what i mean for just people to be recognized uh, i mean when i saw them gyms packed it motivated me more mm-hmm. because I knew I was doing something good because I was bringing attention to y'all. Mm-hmm. And that's all I cared about. It's like once Lou Olson told me, he said, man, uh, what's the problem? I said, what you mean? He said, "Me lost a couple of games where you didn't yell, you didn't curse, and, you know, y'all missed 16, 17 free throws and stuff. and You cool with that? I said, man, everybody keeps saying I'm cursing too much. He said, man, be you. Mm-hmm. Your kid's responding to you. Don't worry about what we say outside. Looking in, mm-hmm. you know, we did a game against the uh, LA Stars. I think they had Trevor Reza. They had two Crenshaw, two Westchester guys who went to the league. They had um, Sparks was they when they point guard. They had the team. Mm-hmm. Again, you walk in with the cou- bleachers. The coaches sit at. There, w- there was no. You had coaches standing up against the wall with nowhere else to sit. And we walked. We walked in there. And I'm talking smack. Y'all finna see a game today. Oh yeah, y'all finna see it. I mean, I was I was in I was intensifying. I was I was getting coached like who this loudmouth weird motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, and someone I, told me Mike conceptual said said that before um, from Duke. Who this loudmouth dude? I was well y'all finna see a game today. I promise y'all. Y'all gonna get a game a day. And I'm pumping my kids up, but I'm in the coach's face. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. in the coach's. coaches know me, they like, man, go, go rock. Yeah. We played, against, we played against Boo Williams. Mm. Ed Davis. I think it was Anthony or Ed Davis, one of the two. And had they had the six, seven point guard. I think he went to North Carolina. They had the big kid from Syracuse. But I think all their whole starting five went to Division I. And three of them in the league. We got them. Ed Davis said, it was Ed Day. He said, uh, California teams are weak and soft. I said, I'm finna show your motherfucking ass something. Yeah. And I ran into him a couple years ago, he looked at me. I ain't forgot, coach. <laughs> you know? And they and they they hit us. They hit us. Yeah. I had that year, I think I sent seven kids to college. I had a kid from Palmdale. Um, Well, he went to SMU. I had that kid go to SMU, had a kid go to DePaul, kid go to Long Beach State. Um, I had a squad. Mm-hmm. I had, had Chris Faber, big Chris Faber went to DePaul. I had a squad, yeah. and let me tell you something, man. At uh, Chris, Big Chris Johnson, let me tell you something. We beat them, yeah, and we beat them, man. Uh, Boo, Boo Williams flipped me off, and they all <laughs> ran out the gym. <laughs> they ran out the gym. I was talking shit. Then we played against uh, uh, Ohio Red. Yeah. They beat our ass. That <laughs> was in like the Elite Eight. They beat us, beat our ass in the Final Four. I said, man. I said, well, I, I don't care about that ass. If I beat the team. I won't. But again, I love all y'all, man. Yeah. I mean, me and Leroy Dodson. Leroy Dodson one of the best, baddest cats out of L.A. Him and Popeye Green, Dion Green, mm-hmm. and man, and I had them. Everybody tried to take them from me, but they loved me, you know. And me and Leroy, you know, he he was he was headstrong, you know, for every with his own mother with everybody. You know, and one day he tried to slap me, you know. <laughs> yeah, you tell me his story. And I grabbed him, and I said on <laughs> him and stuff. I mean, I'm like, I'm messing with him. I mean, what are you doing, man? I'm a grown-ass <laughs> man. You know who I am, little dude? <laughs> you know, and he started crying. Yeah. And he's been my guy ever since. Yeah. You know, his, his uh, mom just passed away, I think, a year ago. Um, and most of my guys still stay in contact with me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and like you said, I went to homes. You know, I talk to parents. You know, you don't get travel ball teams where these head coaches or head person of the organization, they don't talk to parents. Only parents they talk to, and they trying to buy that parent for that son to come play for them, and they try to see what that parent needs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? People got to understand this. Travel ball, A, you became a big, big business. People are being monopolized and pimped every day. If you think they not, then you got these daddies and mamas that think they know more than coaches. You know, what I mean, oh, you don't, you know, well, you don't fly, you don't fly me too. I mean, how can I compare when you got sponsored team flying parents and shit, and the kid want to play for me, but the parent like, nah, he can't fly me. We not going over there. That's the kind of shit that's going on with our kids and these parents today. Yeah. They forgot, and they wonder why their kids are sitting at home. Mm. That's the bigger picture. Why your son sitting at home? I've had kids I wanted so bad, they didn't come to me. They went somewhere else, and then. When they they getting ready to graduate, guess who they call? It? Can you help my son? I said I gotta help my kids first. I try to get them to play for me. I told you he could play for California Supreme or he could play over here, but are he is he gonna get the minutes necessary for the college coaches gonna watch him play? See, I said yeah. what yeah. them college coaches tell you? We ain't seen enough of him. Mm. When I can, you gonna play? Cause if you can't, if I can't use it, you can't sit on my bench. Yeah, yeah. I don't want no dum-dums or yo-yos on my bench. I want motherfuckers going to play. Because after what, what I went through with all of y'all, that first five, six years of groups of young men, I've learned so much, I had to become a headhunter. To me, California basketball became weak, became soft. And mostly because every y'all play year-round against each other. Y'all know each other. Mm. So you get that tit-for-tat shit. But when I started taking kids to, to Chicago, and we playing against... Mac Urban Fire. Every I, the one thing about the term I did in Chicago, I just tell that lady: the only way I come, we gotta play Mac Irving Fire. Don't let it be the first game, but you make sure we play Mac Irving Fire. So I wanted my kids to get that exposure. Oh, Mac the Fire, whew, one of the hottest and biggest, most winningest teams, and E. B. Why all that shit. Man. Really? Oh man, Mac urban Fire, man. Come on, I I was head you know, I started We started going to Milwaukee. <laughs> it was a beautiful situation in Milwaukee. Then people started hearing about it. Other teams wanted to go to Milwaukee. Mm. Then we start going, mess with this uh, other organization, going to Georgia, in Atlanta. We just we went to Kansas. We start hitting everybody. How rock getting all this money to hit <laughs> all these states? You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's hustle. I mean, they spent. I think uh, Lamar Odom people spent a hundred thousand on me. Mm. I never seen the money, never touched the money. Mm. They use this credit card for everything. And I tell people, I was amazed because the same shit I did with them, I could have did for 25,000. Mm. It don't cost that much. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but yeah. people put all this extra budget in cuz they pay their bills. Some some organizations directors don't even don't even work because of that money pay their bills. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which is sad because why would you take from these these parents who don't have any, and you, and you and you sold to them, they could deliver you. Mm. You know what I mean. Mm. You could deliver your son to college. So I'm gonna get my last for my baby. Then your baby don't go. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's a hard animal. Now you got these transfer rules. Man, four years ago, I told you, you got 900 something scholarship for 20,000 high school kids. Nine years ago, you had 600 something transferred from college to college, from D1 to D1. So that takes away. Then you have the junior college kids. That takes away that 900. Then a the year after that, you had 800 transfer, 900 transfer. Last year, they said you had 2,100 transfers. Dang. This year, everybody get their year back. But the kids who don't who don't want to go back to their same school because of the pandemic, they're going to look for another college to go to. Right. So how many kids this year is going to really get scholarship offers? Not that many, if any. Yeah. If you're not ranked, you're not top 100, it's harder and harder for these young people to get scholarships. Let me ask you this. What about, have you looked at um, sending some of the kids to, like, HBCUs, like black colleges? Man, I've been reaching out to some of them schools for the last four years. Mm-hmm. I had three of my kids went to um, Texas A&M. Okay. Not, not, that- Texas A, not Texas A&M, North Carolina A&T. Oh, okay. North Carolina A&T. Um, I reached. I had one kid go to Alabama A and T. Um, last few years, I reached out to a few of them. It's always an issue. Oh, Rock, we talk about it, Rock. Well, I said, come and see him. They they looking to recruit them big boys rather than recruit these hard work. The one thing, the reputation I got, you mentioned earlier, coaches started saying, "If you can play for Rock Johnson, you can play for us." Mm-hmm. Period. I had Richard Cheney from Verb. One of the, probably one of the purest shooters I've had. And his mom and them took him off my team. After a year with me, they said I was too tough, too violent, too vocal. He went to Rick Majerus. He transferred. Really? He, he couldn't take it. He said, Rockhead, can I come and talk to your kids? Hey, man, I thought Rock was too hard. I thought Rock was too tough. He said, Them coaches getting paid to win, man. He said, "Man, Rick Majerus made me quit because I couldn't take it. Mm. I couldn't take it. And So college coaches if you could play for Rock Johnson, you could play for us.' Yeah, so we see what he do. Yeah, and, and 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 my thing is my passion for these kids, man, mm-hmm. these young people. I know I was an asshole. I know I was a fuck up in my life. I know I was a very dangerous person. I was a predator in my own community. You know what I mean?" So how can I prevent these young people to follow in my footstep in the wrong way? Basketball, y'all gave me the opportunity to excel in something I had no knowledge about to help more and more young people ex- have a oper- window of opportunity. And most of my kids not going to make it as a basketball player. Mm-hmm. It's really about getting them degrees. It's really about changing uh, uh, that, that, that tenth of a thought of wanting to be a game member to I could play basketball and go to a university. Yeah, yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just changing that mindset. And I felt in love with them. You know how, man, I sit back, man, I'm like, damn. You know, and I see kids going to college. Dave Tellep was one of the biggest ESPN sports writers for youth basketball for years. Now he worked for an NBA team. And Dave Tellup, every year, he would announce on all social media who who got recruited, who, who going to what college, who going this. And I called him one day. Man, God damn, I know I'm a little he do type of basketball <laughs> program, but shit, I got five kids going to college. He said, Rock for real? He said, Rockhead did it again. Three more going to university college. Rockhead did it every year. Rockhead did it again against mm. anything. He didn't have to do that. Yeah. Again, it's been special people. What Bob Givens did, what Sonny Vakurl did, what Dave Tellup did, what – People who really believed in me and believed in my story, and that's really how I survived. Mm. You know, I have a five hundred one c three. I have a, uh, you get tax exempt, tax write off. I know guys who came through my system that made it in the lead and doing pretty well off. I know they got their own programs, but we all still need tax write offs every year. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I have that for them. How do they get? How do people get hold of you? Somebody see this and they were like, you know what, I want to. Pour some money into the can. I mean, my, my website has it. Um, okay. I-C-A-N-Y-F-C dot org, if I'm correct. It's a new one, so I'm getting used to it. Yeah. Can I send it to you? Yeah, I think um, it's a new one. Let me make sure. I'm, I'll put it underneath. We can we put, it, put it under that, but it'll be underneath. Yeah, um, it's I-C-A-N-Y-F-C dot org. Okay. You All know? right. And they can reach out to you there or just donate Um, if they want to? They can reach out there and donate. I just sent it to you. Okay. They can reach out there, donate it to me, uh, donate to the foundation. Uh, They will all get a response from me, a letter from me. um, It's it's real, real simple. Okay. Um, But my thing again, if it ain't for the kids – It ain't nothing. Yeah. I live the life. I gave y'all a little history of myself. I live the life. Um, If you listen to Kev Mac videos and all that, you'll see how deep I got more into that. But I live the lifestyle that I don't want to see youngsters go through. Um, I bleed like you bleed. So I'm not untouchable. Mm -hmm. I've been shot 11 times. I've been stabbed. Um, but I'm here for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, my oldest daughter, the lifestyle led all my life, got her head blown off in 1998. Damn. I'm still here. Damn. You know, and I just want to see things better for our communities. I want to see in this basketball world that every kid I could touch have that real opportunity, you know, and continue to see the world and see things differently. And like one of the reasons why I wanted to travel, not just for to compete, I wanted to show them that Chicago streets are no different from L.A. streets. Milwaukee streets are no different from L.A. streets. Atlanta, Kansas. And we start s- traveling, and the more we travel, the more that these kids like, damn, Coach, you know what I mean? He looked mm-hmm. just like me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, we eating the same kind of food. Yeah. You know? Certain restaurants ain't the same, but the core of it is the same. Yeah. And like I said, a lot of that came from Jim Brown's American program. You know what I mean? The three basic needs, food, shelter, and clothing. Mm. Real simple. We all need that no matter what color we are, or how bad we are, how bad we not. We all need our primary needs met. Food, shelter, and clothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Our secondary needs are self esteem. You know what I mean? We we look at our we look at dealing with our self esteem one way or another. You know what I mean? Yeah. And our, our third is our social, how we view by others. Them are the three three needs that's based in american program so imagine going through that ongoing being trained in this 15 chapter life skills program what really made me become the person i am today Mm -hmm. you know when you deal with the three basic needs you know what i mean primary secondary and social primary is food shelter clothing you deal with three forms of three forms of motivation fear incentive and attitude change i mean just deal with the basics of them alone you know what I mean? We have a problem solving thing that eliminate the negative, establish your facts, and choose your best options. Mm. You know, someone come to you, man, Suddenly says something about your mom. If you eliminate the negative, he don't even know my mom, so why would he even say that? Like, I don't know me. My best option, why this dude, you know, why this dude, you know, coming to tell me some shit like that? Yeah. And my best option is to walk away from it. Mm. Limit the negative, establish your facts. My facts is, dude don't even know me. He's trying to do something. My best option is to walk away. So when you got them tools and you're teaching them tools, it makes you look at things a little bit different. It makes you understand life a whole lot better. Yeah. And them the things I practice with Jim Brown's American every day that I live. You know, even with my only son, you know, Rock. You know, Lil' Rock, as as all y'all know him as. Mm-hmm. Lil' <laughs> Rock, the big old shorts to his knees <laughs> since he was three years old. Yeah. You know, yeah. and... And him, you know, we, we have our moments, but he eventually had to go to junior college, went to an NAI school, graduated with his degree. Um, he's having struggles still mm-hmm. because he's trying to balance himself. You know, I try to get people in Fresno where he stay at to help him. I Man, you my dad, friend. I don't want your help. <coughs> I'm, 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 you can't call me Lil Rock no more because I'm Rock Johnson. Only my dad can say Lil Rock, you mm-hmm. know. And I'm mm-hmm. that's cute. I'm good with that. But – don't ever turn down help. Because we all need it one time or another. We we can't turn it down. They're not helping you because you my son. The ones in Fresno have actually spent time with you since you was born. Mm. They family. Yeah. You know what I mean? Don't push don't push it away. Yeah. And that's what that's our man, his biggest fight. And again, like I said, most of my players. Man, like Tony Freely, he, he had he had his um birthday. He got he had a little girl a few years, three years ago. And he called me. And he tell everybody this in, in, in at at family gatherings and everybody be looking at him crazy. But he called me he say, Hey Roy, Coach Rock, I said what? Man, uh, my girl pregnant. I said, Okay. I'm going I think I'm gonna make her get an abortion. I said, Why? Man, fuck that. I'm just gonna get a boy can I ask you a question? He said, What? You got other girlfriends, yeah? uh huh are they anything near her or what she is or what she about? No. So you rather make her get abortion, make one of them cluckers or them crackheads get it, get a, get a, get, a, get a baby, have a, have your baby, and deal with all them issues? When you got a woman who loves you, care about you, don't need for nothing, and got both her parents and her fucking life? Mm. I said you do the math. A Week yeah. later, I, I told her she could keep it. Thanks <laughs> to Coach Rock. <laughs> Now he got a beautiful three-year-old daughter and man he ta- I thank Rock. Y'all gotta thank Rock for my my three year old daughter. I said, daughter, you gotta thank Rock here because oh, you're the reason why Rock here, the reason why you here right now. <laughs> Damn. But he's happy. <laughs> yeah. He's happy. Now I want to have a boy now, you know? Yeah. But he's happy. Yeah. The choices we make, we live with for the rest of our lives. Good, bad, or indifferent. The choices we make, we live with for the rest of our lives. So we gotta be more mindful about the choices. Yeah. I mean, look at this situation. I'm I'm here in Dallas. You know, my former player. You know, I got a lot of play with a whole lot of money. You know, but my former player, yeah, who ain't got much, flew <laughs> yeah. me out here first class, put yeah. me in a beautiful hotel, yeah, and, and treated me, you know, like a like a man. But that's 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 the testament to you, Rock. Like like other people. <laughs> um that we had on the show I, like I don't think I would have done all this for you I mean for them you know what I mean it's a testament to you what you meant to me at that time especially my pop's not being around you know what I mean and and what you was able to do for me because at the time we we lived in San, we lived in LA on the east side right um and then we moved to San Pedro but when you when you took me back to L.A., cause I was a little older, I I, uh, I grew up on the east side. We moved to San Pedro when I was like in sixth grade and we stayed out for four or five years. But I always wanted to get back to L.A. And after, it took me years to even realize what all happened. Where you went, I remember us going to Jordan Down Projects. I remember us going uh, all the way to fucking Fontana. I remember <laughs> us driving every fucking where before we went to a game. And it took me. It was years after when I was in college, and I was like, "Damn! Like, what made Rock do all this? Driving, fucking all over LA to pick up kids just to go hoop." And that was that was it. All we did was go hoop and fucking clown around and have a fucking good ass time. And I was like, at that time of my life, that shit meant like the world to me. You know what I'm saying? And then that's what I want to ask you, because I know back then. Um, it was other gangbangers that was, or at least I thought they was, that was helping you run your program. Do you still do that today um, with other gangbangers, or do you have like a straight basketball staff? You know, what happened was a lot of guys from the streets were loving what I was doing. Mm. And at different points of their life, they were straight at one point. They played basketball. They hooped. And they saw what I was doing. They wanted to help. They want to show they could help. A lot of them guys them financially wise. A lot of guys was helping me drive kids around, and that was a time with y'all. It's 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 basically the same now. A lot of parents really wasn't involved. A lot of parents had to either work, mm-hmm. or they didn't care one way or another. Mm-hmm. And you woke my son, you got to pick him up. So that's why I was going to Fontana. That's why I was going to uh, to the valley. That's why I mean. I mean, I put so many miles on my cars over time, yeah, yeah. and I'm picking up. Then I'm be five or six or seven pick cats every week, yeah. And, but I, I needed to be there for y'all. See, what y'all don't understand? Y'all really helped me. Mm. Mm, that okay. gave me everything that I missed. I never had a chance to be a kid. So it was easy for me to mess with y'all and play with y'all and have fun. Yeah. Like I was like y'all. Yeah. You know what I mean? Until I got <laughs> pants that one time by one of my players. Oh, I wonder. I hit him so hard in the back of his head. I said, I'm glad my hand was open. Because I would have gave him a concussion if I would have kept that hand open. But y'all really gave me life. Mm. Y'all gave me life. Y'all gave me purpose. Yeah. Y'all gave me a drive and a willingness to really want to push this program that continue to help young people, you know, and I, I know I opened doors for y'all, but y'all really helped me more mm. than anything. You know, if I was looking for anything in my life, y'all gave it to me. People say right now, why are you still doing it? I'm doing it because I love it. If I not, if I can't do this, if I can't coach young people, if I can't help young people excel to another level, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. Mm. Be honest, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. This this year sitting out been the hardest year I ever had in my life because mm. of COVID. Mm. I shut it down, but it's hard. But it's just y'all give me a passion, mm. y'all give me a drive, y'all give me joy. Then I can sit back and watch teams on TV. People to say, "Who's your coach?" I mean, what team are you running for? I said, "Well, I had Georgia Tech play against when I had uh, DeAndre Bell at Georgia Tech, and I had Ray Reed at Georgia." They playing against each other. I said, that was my joy. I ain't got no team. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I had Mark Hill at Tulsa and Larry Anderson at Long Beach State playing against each other. I mean, can you imagine that when you watching college basketball, the odds are you watching one of your kids you help get to college and what kind of joy that gives you. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, I had a kid at Old Miss this year, mm. Luis Rodriguez, bad, bad cat. Utah Valley, Marquise Moore. Mm. I mean – I'm still getting them to college. You know, yeah, I got one yeah. kid going to Pacific this year, Jaden. You know, he would be a freshman at Pacific. I'm working on this other kid right now trying to try and get him in. With all the coaches changes right now, I might sneak in two more. You know, but that's my joy. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the things I do with limited funds with basically nothing, I want to see someone match it. Yeah. You can't. I don't I mean, give a fuck how much money you got. You can't do what I do. Because I'm doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. You know, and people need it, man. People need to feel good. You see parents, Now I used to walk in parents' houses. Like, Rock, can you come? They got like five coaches coming over this week. You sitting in their living room and the coaches coming over. And they, 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 they scared to the say, <laughs> I said, man, speak.
1: Ask whatever <laughs> question
0: you want. Rock, can you get on the plane with us? I ain't never been on a plane before. And that was the other flip side of my joy. I had kids with coach. Can you sit next to me for what? I ain't never been on a plane before. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I I mean, when we helping each other, yeah. we're growing together. Yeah. You know, big Shane Burrells, You know, he's like my nephew. He cut everybody, I'm his uncle, so that's I'm his uncle. Big old bully man. Big old <laughs> six foot eight, three hundred fifty pound beast. Yeah. He, I mean. he went to Alabama. I think Alabama A and T or Alabama A M or something like that, and. Big old bully, him and his brother fighting in the living room one day, and the the mom try to get between them and she fall. They call me. I gotta deal with that big old boy, (laughs) man. When I come around, he's so humble, he's like a little cat. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I said, so why are you being tough to your mama and your brother when I ain't around? When I come around, you like a little cat, dude. Yeah. <laughs> come on, Coach. Come on, Coach. You know I love you. You know I love you, Coach. <laughs> but you got to love your mama more than you love me. Yeah. You know, it, that gives me joy. You know, when I see Big 50 working out and his kids working out, and he, his two sons finna start playing for me. Uh, Dion Marcus, one of, my, one of my former players, you know, his son is in 10th grade. He finna play for my canteen. You know, now I got my former players who have kids going to high school. Kevin Lewis, his son, finna come play for me. You know, it just, it gives you joy. Yeah. You know what I mean? It just gives you joy that these, these cats, you know, that you once helped, now they have kids and they trust you enough to be around their kids. Mm. You know, and, and that's the joy, man, when when a parent, when your mother opened up her, her, her door and looked me in my eyes and we had a conversation and she allowed you to get in that van with me not knowing nothing about me at that time. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? You know, so it's chances parents took that I can only truly appreciate because sometimes we have to take certain kind of chances to excel and to succeed and help our young people you know, make better decisions in life and that's what it's always been about with me. Yeah, You know, I've never um I said, I've never tried to extort nothing, take nothing from nobody. I mean, if you know what I do, I shouldn't have to ask. You know, people. a lot of people in California know what I do. Mm-hmm. Everybody know what I do. In, coming in, coming out, you know. And, you know, um, with Russell Resbrook's team, um, uh, Reggie Morris, last year, you know, he gave me a gang of shoes. Two years ago, he gave me a gang of shoes. People reach out in their own way you know what I mean We've yeah. always, I can't have always been blessed in it's own way Yeah. and that's just out of respect and and out of you know some good shit you know when you grow up with people go around people and they see what you do for all the right reasons yeah. one day I we, we were struggling and we didn't have enough money to get back home and you know I made a couple calls and, and some people really out of a shot came through for me yeah. someone called someone else and man, why you didn't call me rock man I didn't think you liked me dude no man fuck that I got you yeah, You know, then you have all these fine tune machine teams with all the money in the world. Kids stranded at the airport because y'all ran out of money, but y'all budget over 100000 How you run out? Because y'all spend that money. How, why kids in them? I had a, two kids leave me, play for this big big time team. They dad me. We fucked. That's what we stuck at the airport. How you stuck at the airport? That team got all that money. Yeah, they flew almost every parent on the team with them too. <laughs> you, you can't, you can't function that way. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I gotta tell parents, man, trust me with yours. We're gonna be all right. But if I, but if I gotta add include you, I don't want them mm. because that's not. It's not about you. Yeah. Let it be about your son. Once your son get to college, I'm sure you will get it worked out to get out there and see your son as much as possible. Yeah. But let me do what I do best. Is there a, is there a specific because um, while you talking, I don't know why I keep thinking Under Armour, like I keep thinking Under Armour. I don't know why Brandon Jennings is another guy who's they didn't sponsor me, but he made sure I had Under Armour for 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 a couple years. So how do you get it where you just every, I mean, see, we got understand shoe companies. So you, they, you they they got, want, you gotta understand shoe company. Under Armour got their own lead. Ooh, Adidas okay. got the own lead. Nike got the own lead. you a Nike team, unarmored team, or Adidas team. That's all they care about. Who really deal with grassroot? Not one of them shoe companies deal with grassroot. Most of them are turning to just NBA names now. They try to make all the tribal teams, that way it takes some of the burden and responsibility and the lawsuits off them shoe companies. So now, if you notice, Under Armour got so many NBA-named teams. Nike got a lot of NBA-named teams now. And that's the route they're going, where the NBA players directly sponsor them rather than the shoe companies. But mm. but technically, none of them has a real grassroots. And I've had friends out of Nike was trying to get them. Look, at man, we know we're the Nike team, but let's, let's help rock out. Yeah. I've had guys in situations try to get these shoe companies to work with me and help me out. Chris Rivers always gave me shoes through Sonny. Even when Sonny left, Chris Rivers always looked out for me. And I think one time one of his guys over him, man, you can't do that no more. You know what I mean? Mm. But which which one of these companies really deal with grass root? They not. I think, yeah, I just think Under Armour, I just think from what you're what you doing and – what I believe Under Armour brand is, I think that's a perfect match for you just all, all Under Armour uniforms, shoes, socks, bags, all that. I mean, but again, that's wishful thinking, but they got to have a grassroots department who's to specialize in grassroots. None of these people, they talk about grassroots, but they don't do it. None of them. Yeah. It's got to be them. somebody Steph, in them. Steph Curry camp. None of them. Steph Curry got his own team, so he can have his own team. See, but but again, we know that they yeah. go. They, Paul George can sponsor. I can. He got uh who is he? he, he He's with, with Nike. He but uh-huh. he but he can sponsor it by himself. Derrick Williams could. All these guys could do it. But everybody's building their own brand. They everybody can't be. Um, what's our boy name? Who big boy from Lakers? Shaq? No. Uh, no, LeBron James Oh, uh, okay Everybody can't be him That dude was a pillow of example Yeah Of the things he do From day one he went to the lead. He looked out for them kids and them projects And was sending them sponsoring them to Akron Yeah From day one The school he created Other things he done Each one of the guys that's around him Has a responsibility mm-hmm. They're not have around them being bums Around them, putting them in bad situations, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, and people are like I, I I don't care about NBA because I think college works harder than NBA teams. You get a sorry team against a great team, and that sorry team gonna try to kick that great team's ass. Yeah, NBA I think they got a little lazy, but what LeBron does, it speaks for itself. What his people around him does, it speaks for itself. And you know Durant started his school because LeBron did here, Now, what's the respect want to do a school? You know, all oh, that's cool. But what about the D? De- put it this way. At one point, L.A. had 28 NBA players actively playing Division I. I'm actively playing NBA professional ball at the same time. I mm. think 2005 or 2008. 28. Imagine all of them come together and put up a grassroots facility. Yeah. In L.A., rather than everybody going to Orange County to these big gyms and shit. <laughs> Buy some, invest in some land, invest in some land, all, all of y'all, you know what I mean, and come together for one cause. Mm. It's too much like right. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's too much like, man, I sit back and I watch and I look and I see, but that's they business, that's they money, so I don't get in their pockets. Right. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. But it's easy. Have you ever, um... Have you ever went over there to the hangar off of? Uh, yeah, Wood? used. To, I mean, the hangar. That, I used to go all the time and play. Do with they still people, have that? They no, still- that's been gone. It' been somebody dude Been sold it. Oh damn! That's what I'm saying. Everybody goes to Orange County with the courts with eight, nine, ten, or twelve courts. Everybody go to Orange County to play in tournaments. Mm. Kobe then was going all the way to, uh, um, way out there to uh, Thousand Oaks and stuff in that in that little gym yeah but there's nothing in l a yeah I'm not talking about the counties l a city yeah <coughs> long beach um any of them areas there's nothing yeah damn, damn you get what I'm saying that hangar used to be dope the hangar was ideal but yeah. again there's so much it could be done in l a right it's so much grassroots. But there's really no grassroots programs, and you got guys, you know. Again, they know what I do, and there's so you, many, there's got, so many hoopers that's from LA too. That's my point. Yeah, got, now got, I'm, got, I'm thinking about it. You got guys who talked in one of the documentaries I was putting together. Man, Rocky would do it for all the right reasons. Mm-hmm. They ain't never gave me a dime. Darrell Wright, one day was at the hangar, and Breeze, um, he was telling everybody, man. Uh, I mean, Rock tried to raise some money for some uniform, and it's helping, man. He said, I play overseas. And I'm putting 500 in. Who's going to match me? You had like 10 NBA players there, and the rest are all overseas. No one said nothing. Darrell Wright walked over to Rock. How much are the uniforms? I said, hold on, Darrell. I put him on the phone with the uniform guy. Mm. And they talked, and he paid for them. Uh, Darrell Wright. Again, special people. Yeah. And Darrell Wright probably wasn't even getting that kind of money you know what I'm saying? Yeah, Darrell. Yeah. He probably was, but it was, it was the point and the principle. Yeah, of <laughs> Darrell Wright. He didn't play for me. You don't have to play for me to help me. Yeah, but it just shows you. But how? But how often the guys from LA County or from Southern California alone who made it. There've been about forty guys since the 2000s yeah. who made it, and yeah. what have they done? for their communities? Nothing. Yeah. Let's keep this shit real. Nothing. Yeah. Is it their responsibility? Yeah, no. I think so. I say yeah, no. I think so. I, I don't even think it's a no. I think it's, it's because the only way you build the community that you come from is to pour back into it. You know what I mean? That's the only way. I know. Um, I think the only one I know even got... A shopping center. I think that's his shopping center. Paul Pierce, I think he owned that little shopping center on Slauson. Um, it's like a – I think it's a Ralph's over there or something like that. I don't even I, – I, it's, it's a big shopping center, though. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but, um, Brandon Jennings had a basketball court put on in one of the parks in Gardenia, where he grew up at, a basketball court. Um, the Roseland had the the floor and the bleachers put in at Compton High. I mean, but I mean, but, but you get what I'm saying, yeah. You know, it's jesters. Is there a lot of red tape if you want to do something like that, though? Nah, it's not. Let me tell you something. Only red tape is how much power you give your agent. Mm. Agent's supposed to listen to you. not you don't listen to your agents. Yeah. but most of these cats listen to their agents. Oh, like I, I put them out. Tyson Chandler. One day I ran into him. Hey man, you know, help me get some uniforms. I'm gonna get back at you, Rock. Somebody read. It, man, he said he can't do it. His agent said it's not the time. Not the time to sponsor some damn uniforms. I'm, I got. I got My whole boy is is his brother-in-law. I'm, I'm gonna reach out to him and see. <laughs> see if we can do something, right? See if we can put something together, man. Uh, imagine that. Not the your agent said not the right time to get some uniform. Your name ain't on them. Yeah. Just some uniforms. Yeah. I mean, come on. And I'm, I, we played against Tyson when Tyson was in high school. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, all these guys we talking about know me. They all know what I'm in it for. They all know my struggles. They don't see me driving no fancy-ass cars or living it up on social media. Yeah. I'm very simple and humble. I don't want shit from me. I want my program to be able to continue to reach out and touch all the young people I possibly can. And with that, I need help. Yeah. But again, you know what I do, so I don't. People ask me all the time, "This person, this they ain't doing it for you." I said, "They do. They doing something." I say that because I don't want them. to put in getting them, get them people pockets. Because I've been approached. Mm. I've been approached by jackers mm. to ask about certain guys. Rock man, uh, they looking out for you. Yeah, they are. Why? Uh, we was know you weren't. And you just trying to. And save I, 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 I save they ass. <laughs> they don't. Know, they don't know it. <laughs> yeah. To be real. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, but cause I don't. I'm, I don't like that. Yeah, and I don't, that's, that's negative energy. I don't care about that. Yeah. I want someone to do, just like I said, three forms of motivation. I want you to do it because you know it's the right thing to do. Mm. You get what I'm saying? Go right back to the curriculum because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. That's all. You know what I mean? And if they do, they do, they don't, they don't. That's my attitude because I figure out ways. You know, sometimes I tell you, we ain't going to make that one trip, but we can do these other two trips. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. That's just what it is. Yeah, Man. And in most cases, most of the NBA players, they got an, and they got an allotment in their contracts to look out, to give out shoes and gear and shit. Most of them do. All the ones that make it and sign, even the smaller guy, their allotment may not be as huge as the other one, but to give out 24 pair of shoes is not an issue. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. I'm just just saying, so, again, all of them been through what they been through to make it to where they made it at. Without someone helping them, without going through a system, without not being charged or sleeping on people's floors and shit. You know, most of them been through what they been through to be where they are today. Someone helped them. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You got NBA players with home families with homeless and was given homes and stuff to go to particular colleges and shit. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> yeah. They know they know what time it is. Yeah. We're not gonna blossom, but when they hear this voice, they know what we're talking about. Yeah. You know, some parents really forget who really was there for your child. You know? Mm-hmm. But again, if you don't do it for that reason, it doesn't it's not an issue. Yeah. I didn't do it for them reasons. I didn't know that I was gonna get so many kids to college like I had, cause, I, cause the kind of kids I was targeting, the kind of kids I had, you know, over the years. So I didn't know. Yeah. You know, so they start making it and being successful. I, I love that, and that's why I told you the other day that you know, once this pandemic is down, I want I want to do a big uh, alumni boost, a love night dinner fundraiser, and bring everybody back from 1994 to right now today. Yeah, you know, and make sure everybody's invited at a time that no one's not playing. They yeah. want everybody. Yeah, I think that'll be. Dope. You know what I mean? Yeah, Just for every, for everybody to see the different years, how long I've been doing it. If you look at it, myself, Belmont My Shores, we the two rockfish. Um, we probably and we probably the three oldest travel ball teams in the state of California. In Southern mm. California, that started in the early '90s is still around. Mm. Compton Magic used to be the Compton Ballers, and they changed the Compton Magic. Out. I can't remember what year they won the last oldest, but for the most part, my I Can All Stars, Belmont Shores, Rockfish, and maybe one one other team. You got in the last seven years probably 300 new teams. There's about a thousand travel ball teams in Cali- Southern California. God dang. Oh, when we was doing this it was 20 30 of us. Yeah, yeah, damn. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So, again, man, people start doing it for the wrong reason. You have fathers who was real estate agents or you know, they they want to put a team around their son, so they make they create a team just for their son and buy all the other players. <laughs> you know, you had you had a lot of people doing things that, that really watered it down. That's why people say it's getting it's getting so watered down. You know what I mean? It's not you can't get what you want to get. Then the shoe company is buying the best of the best. Yeah. They, you know, you got what? You had three or four uh, Nike teams in LA and California and Oakland coming down to California, getting 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 Southern California kids and and everybody going to Arizona getting Arizona kids. You know, it's like it's not the same. Yeah. It became a, a tugging <laughs> war among teens, among shoe companies. When you got shoe companies you got inner fighting. Uh, he, this kid he played for this plays. Nike team, and what well, other Nike team took him, you know. And, I mean, it's just – it's everywhere. Yeah, yeah. You know, teams taking people, Nike and Adidas taking players from Nike and Adidas from Under Armour. I mean, it just it – just, it became so raggly. And I think the route they're going now, rather than a, the shoe company sponsoring, they making NBA players sponsor, sponsor. these teams, it, it, it probably takes some of the thing off – but snatching kids can always be around. Because mm-hmm. everybody looking to snatch the best, the biggest, and the baddest. All I want kids who want to play. I get them everything else done. Yeah. You know what I mean? It yeah. ain't never got to be the biggest or bad. I've never received a ranked kid. Derek Williams never ranked. Paul George never ranked. Jordan Hamilton, I got him ranked. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh Darius Morrison wasn't ranked. You know what I mean? I've had a lot of great kids. I've had kids who had great careers. You know, I have kids that, who had an opportunity to play, but they got hurt at the wrong times. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Let me ask you this. let kind of switch the subject a little bit. Would you ever, um, are you interested in somebody like, do, would you ever do a movie about your life? Yeah, I'm working on a couple of things now. Really? What is it going to be called? The Life of Rockhead? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's like, it's working with me now. Um, they, one of they things, the little scissor roll they putting together has something to do with, um, it's the, um, what is it? What can they call it? It's the, um, the icon mm-hmm. Jim Brown meets the, um, gangster Rocky Johnson. That's too long of a title, man. But they, 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 it's shorter than that. it's okay. It's shorter than that. i but, oh, okay. it's, it's, them, it's, but it, it's, they, they, they trying to figure out some stuff, um, uh, I met with David Ayer's people, and they financial people love my story but felt that um, no one knows me and get my name out there. That's why I try to do all these podcasts and the Cab Max because the more I tell my story, the more people hear about it. You know, you never know what may fall in my lap. Yeah, and I think the same same thing happened I, I felt like with, uh, with Big U, how nobody knew him at first, and it just took – more people to get to know him because what he was saying his 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 reputation walked in the room before he did. So that's probably same thing you going through, or people are hearing, oh, who was that? And they hearing different different stories. I mean, like, you know like, what I, mean? Like I got a lot of calls when uh, Hip Hop uncover and they saw my name, they saw me with Big U. Yeah, I got a lot of calls and man, you and Big U, I didn't know you know Big U, but Big U. Big U, Big U is your little homie, isn't he? Big U, um, Big U put his way. He, still, he made it clear at one time. I'm the only person he really called his big homie. Mm, okay. And coming from him, that's a lot. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Um, big U is a special person. Um, he's not what everybody thinks he is. In a sense, of how they perceive him, he's really a good person. He got a beautiful thing going on with football, mm-hmm. um, with all them kids. Um, he can't help it that you know people gravitate toward him for some of the wrong reasons. Then people put a, uh, a line on him. Mm. You know um, he is what he is. He is he, he, he's he's who you make him to be. You know what I mean? But he's a friend. Yeah, he's a home, young homeboy. But he's mostly a friend first, and we get along and. And I and hip hop uncover I called them after the part six, and I told Big View, I told Draws, part six just took you to a whole new level. Yeah. Because you gave them what they wanted. You gave them Nipsey. You showed them you had that relationship still. You showed that situation to happen, and then people end up giving you 200 grand and paying you, giving you gang of stuff for giveaways and shit. Yeah. I mean, you worked it, it's beautiful. Yeah, You know, um, but, you know, but on the flip side, well, people don't, people really have to understand, when I listen to, people ask me sometimes, or I used to get calls, hey, Rock man, you remember such and such from the Minions Well, him and his uncles out here, man, and uh, they got approached by some people, you know, and I make some phone calls and get them off them, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and, again, like I said in the beginning, I could be that person. I don't want to be known as that. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to be known as. You check in. I've had people call me. Maybe we want to do something in Compton. You know what I mean? And they reached out to me, and I reached out to that particular neighborhood, and made it work for them. I didn't get paid for that. I mean, big U and uh, big U them called me one day about the one of their young rappers. About they didn't. He he grew up in a in a particular neighborhood in Compton, and because he was so young, now he's a rapper. He want to go back and give back. No one knew him. You know, they reached out and called me, and I connect them to the right person. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I, it's funny, yeah. you know, but <laughs> the one thing I know about me, there's not a neighborhood I can't go to. I I and, know. People, and people listen to me. Because the one thing about me, everybody know I'm real, I'm up front, and I'm not riding the fence. Yeah. And that's more that's more important than anything. I don't have no problems in nobody's hood, you know. What I mean, I don't. I tell people that gang bangers. Let me tell you something about gang bangers. If you gang bang, there's consequences. Bottom line, I don't want to hear he dead and we're gonna bury him. When you gang bang, there's consequences. This is not a joke. Yeah. So start figuring out other things. I, one of the films we went to, I asked, "Who all got life insurance?" Why every time I get a car, we raising money or looking for money to help out. I got a girl. She's down, she's down with all y'all. Get a policy. Mm. Yeah. But it's all across the board. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? But, again, you're game gangbanger. There's consequences. I am not a gangbanger. I'm a gangster. I'm a gangster of love and peace and harmony. I want to see everybody get along. It's not realistic because we're going to always have our issues when we're using drugs, when we're smoking, when we doing drinking, when we drinking syrup and liquor and, and all that other weird-ass shit. When you're high, when you're when, when you using some type of substance abuse and abusing your inner and yourself, half the time you don't know half the shit you're doing or creating or starting. Yeah. I sit back in a club called the GS. I have a big old pitcher with a gang of lemon in it. Everybody, what's that big home? What you drinking? Water and lemon. <laughs> I know everything to go in that club. How the people don't have an idea who got the guns, who got this, who got that. Because my mind has always been sharp. I've never drank. I've never used drugs before. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And I told somebody this the other day. Well, I thought all gang members did something. That's, again, people look at us stereotype. and put and stereotype us. But in reality... I've never used drugs. You be in the GS with a big thing of water? Yeah. <laughs> big old jug of water. <laughs> How's that funny? <laughs> Shit, I don't drink. I, I just said the GS is a, a popping club. Yeah, and every, I yeah. have my own table. <laughs> have my own table, the table I want where I can see the whole club. Yeah. Have my big old pitcher of water <laughs> with gang of lemon in it, about 12, 14 pieces of lemon. And I drank that motherfucker, she come back, <laughs> fill it up, and I set that on my table by myself, and you can't come sit with me unless I invite your ass. I had a couple incidents, like one of my boys, one of my homeboy I grew up with, he wasn't a banger, you know, he's, he was at the bar one time He with the girls, buying them drinks, yeah. so some other guys come up, he lose them, so he want to come and put a glass on my table, I said, homie, what's happening, what's up, big rockhead? I said, did I call you and tell you meet me here? Nah, no, what you mean? We supposed to meet, you know, no. Nah. <laughs> so why are you on my table, nigga? What you mean? I said, homie, unless you unless you petite, uh, you know, you know, sexy, fine, and womaness, yeah. nigga, you can't sit on my table. <laughs> he gets up and wastes Drake on mine and went outside and he go outside 30 minutes later, he slams his empty cup on mine and Walked out the door, I covered my food up, walked out before he walked around him. Dude, you ever do that motherfucking shit again, now I'm going to tear your motherfucking ass so you don't disrespect me. Man, you just tripped. No, I'm not. That's my table. And I did that, and he, I sat down. Before I sat down, I got a call from one of my cut me. What you do with the homie, man? I said, I didn't do shit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and then you know one day this dude wanted to sit on my man. It's crowded at the GS. Yeah, nobody, no stand, no standing room or nothing. Hey man, uh, can I sit here? No, you can't. Well, ain't nobody else sitting. There. I said, no, you can't. You act like you own this table for the day. Mm. That's my table. I can ask. You know, I'm, I'm a bachelor. I'm a single man. Why I want a Negro to come sit on my table? Yeah, I hit the road by myself. When I go out, I'm by myself. I could be accountable for me. I can't be accountable for you. I don't know who you just cussed out, who you just threatened. I don't remember know nothing. <laughs> but I know I could be accountable for me. So when I sit by myself, I know I'm at peace. I know people love me and respect me. I don't have enemies. That nigga just disrespected me yesterday. No, I don't have that because I'm accountable for me. Mm. So when I go out, I want to sit by myself unless I invited you or unless I said, man, come meet me at the spot. Man, don't come sit with me. Leave me alone. So I might see something walk in. I need to sit next to me. You might fuck it off. You know? (laughs) I'm going to be real. Yeah. But, (laughs) I mean, so, I mean, it just, people don't get it, man. Mm. I like my piece. I like my space. But since I've been doing it, I did the Mac videos, man. Bloods, pyros, Crips from different neighborhoods would stop me. And they would say, Rockhead, man. what you said on Cad Mac, what you did, we appreciate you. Yeah, Man, I had my whole hood listen. OGs oh, and little Gs. Everybody listen to it, man. You be telling the truth. Blood walked up to me at Target in the jungles. No disrespect, blood, but I love your message. Mm. You know, and that's what gives me joy. When you could take something, I just share it with you, and you run with it in a positive way. You allow my voice and my words to affect you, where you can even walk up to me. And acknowledge me, yeah. And that's my that's that's all I ask for. Yeah. I, don't, I don't ask for much. I, I just want I want to, I want to see the gang shit stop. But I know that's not that's unrealistic. It's always gonna be around. But I need us to be more mindful. Mm-hmm. Um, if I if I'm a gang gang banger and you are a gang banger, we have an issue. I'm coming to get you. I don't want that girl to get killed no more. I don't want that baby to to get a stray bullet no more. You're gonna bang go deal go. Do what we did back in our days. We got who we wanted. Mm. You yeah. feel what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But in this people got to stop. Mm. They got to yeah. stop. You know who you beef with on social media? Yeah. You know who you got issues with on the streets and social media? So do you. I want to stop altogether, but it's unrealistic for me to say that because these dudes are ignorant, they stupid. They don't have an ideal what's going on what's really going on so i just want to see you know so it it is what it is but for me if i can help them youngsters i want to help them those who want to change their lives i will help you the best way i can i will never turn my back on a youngster that walks up to me and said he need help never yeah i've had that i had that approach on many occasions and i helped i had a kid call me call care mac hey man i need rock's number for what I need to talk to him. So, Kid Mac texted me the kid number. I called him. Man, I tried to go to jail five times. I did a robbery. I shot somebody. Police never showed up. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I swear to you, that's what happened. <clears throat> I said, So, man, why? Man, my family messed up, this and that. Man, my mom tripping, this and that. And I just don't care. I said, Man, you got to care. And we talked. I heard what you said about your mom, Rockhead. We talked. That guy got a job now and doing good. That's what's a up, job man. doing security. Hey, yeah, you yeah. he better do something. But yeah, and every giveaway I've done, he showed up to. I try to feed three thousand families every month in Compton, city of Compton, Long Beach, certain parts of L.A. And again, special people. I had a friend, one of my friends, uh, called me. Hey, Rock, I just went to a grocery warehouse and bought ten thousand dollars worth of stuff. Where can we give it out at? Another friend, I want to give hundred dollars. I want to give, you know, ten thousand dollars worth of one hundred dollar bills out at a, at a store in the hood. I take mm. them there. Mm. I just it's been always be like special people, man, yeah. who wants to really try to reach out and help. And people know at this time that we need help. Yeah, you know what I mean. A lot of things going on. You know, especially once this pandemic is totally over with, and you don't get the rental system, a lot of people to lose their places. Yeah, you know, there's a yeah. lot of things going on. So I try to do everything I can. Under I can, you know what I mean to help. You know, so I give food. I, I and it, again, it's, I, we go back to what we said earlier. How am I able to feed three thousand families every month? I ain't got a penny. Yeah. And all these other people got all this money, ain't doing nothing. But they go to a strip club, or they have strippers come to come to their house because they can't go to a strip club and throw hundreds of thousands of dollars out. But again, you know, neither here, neither there. But <laughs> I'm just showing you. It won't. I can't stop. Won't stop yeah. doing what I'm doing. I have a passion. As long as I got my former players and young brothers like you, you know, came through the system, my system. I can't system and trying to show the world a variety of things. You know, you had Free Ray Rick. You had a few other cats. You heard. You me you got cats from up and coming artists from the city and stuff mm-hmm. and. And you give them a taste of a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. And it give them a taste of where you came from, you know, where you at in life. And it just says a lot. You know, you got a young sister here working for you, you know. I mean, what what else are we supposed to do if we can't help each other? Our model, I, I care model, is each of us help the other become better. If we can't help each other become better, then who are we? Right. We can't depend and wait on a motherfucker who got it. We got to give the best we got with what we got. Right, right, You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so again, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate coming. I know at first I wasn't because you talking about January. That pandemic was kind of crazy. <laughs> this is what I tell people. I've been shot, stabbed, locked up for 19 and a half years. I'm not letting corona take me out. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know? So, yeah. you know, I keep my little bag with me. Yeah. With all my stuff, goodies in it for the plane. I got my little thing visor. Yeah, I du- I doubled up my mask. I doubled up my mask on the plane with the N90 and my cloth. Listen to me, I've been around too long. They say I supposed been dead a long time ago yeah. to let Corona take me out. How you more scared of a Corona than the gangster? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shit, Corona, you might not wake up tomorrow. That's why the gangster, you might see it coming. Yeah. You might feel the feel the pain go through your body. Yeah, but Corona, my people been having heart. Let me ask you a question. Yeah, we know Corona been really hurting people. hmm But why they not putting this Corona and these heart attacks together? Mm. It's been a, if people researched it's been so many heart attacks from guys youngest 30 years of age. Really? And up. Really? A lot of rapid heart attacks all of a sudden. Mm. And people and they're not putting it out there, but it's been I I know 3 or 4 people personally died heart attacks who was healthy. One of them was a vegan doing good, but that's why I said being a vegan being not a vegan don't mean you you know mm-hmm. it is what it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? One girl, she was looking at her for her, her brother in a week, and she got the landlord to open his door. He was dead for a whole week on the floor, heart attack. He was a vegan and a personal trainer. Jesus. You know what I'm saying? So there's a lot of things going on. So I have to be mindful. You talking January, February, I Man, I'm going my hand. You know what I, mean? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm going to talk to you later about that. Yeah. You know? Man, let's get out of here, man. This has been the longest podcast we've had. You know what I mean? And I wanted to make sure that I got I got everything out with you, man. Because I know you doing good in 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 the inner city of LA, man. I know you are. You know what I mean? So I just wanna tell you I appreciate you and I love you, man. Straight I, up. I appreciate you, man. Yeah. I love you, man, and I hope everything you're going after you get. Thank you, man. It's real simple. I'm, yeah, I know I'm gonna get it. And I'm gonna make sure I'm gonna, I'm gonna reach back. I'm gonna make sure I can is that that kind of program. You know what I mean? I'm going to make sure of that. Yeah. And I appreciate you, man. Yeah, for sure. Yo, man, thank y'all for tapping in, man. This has been the Tap In Podcast. I'll at y'all.